Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. So we can walk in the light, or we can walk in the darkness. Now to walk in the light means to walk in truth, means to walk uprightly, it means to walk in love. It's, it's sort of the whole package of what it means to follow after Jesus. I am the light of the world, our Lord would say. And he who follows after me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Today we begin in the 19th verse of Matthew chapter 6. Pastor Sam's message entitled A Heart for God takes a look at Jesus' teaching that tells us that what we love is what we're going to serve. And it teaches us how to love and serve in a way that will develop in us a heart for God. The Holy Spirit is really orchestrating things when you make a mistake and it all turns out just right. What I mean by that is... I had intentionally or originally planned on going all the way through verse 34 here. We'd phoned that into the newspaper, so it should have appeared that way. But when they went to make the labels, which they do in advance for all the tapes and, you know, radio and the tapes we give out and the internet stuff, all of that different stuff, they mistakenly put verses 19 through 24. Well, this morning when I was reviewing and rewriting my outline, I realized that's as far as I was going to be able to get was verse 24. So I came in and I went to find the label so I could tell the label people, hey, I changed my mind and I look at the label and it says verse 24, you see. And I'm like, wow, they completely blew it and got it right. And uh, and I just love that kind of mistake. And there are a lot of things like that that happen around here lately. Well, anyway, read with me there, picking up at verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Well, perhaps you've seen that bumper sticker. It says, uh, the one who dies with the most stuff wins. And someone wisely got a hold of that and, and added a little word. It says, the one who dies with the most stuff wins nothing. Why? Well, of course, Jesus teaches us that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he owns or amasses to himself. And this world says, no, life is really about getting and accumulating and, and building up, creating for yourself, getting for yourself. Well, what we're going to be considering together today really should straighten out some misconceptions that we may have about wealth and work and worship, all of those things. Because you need to know our worship of the Lord, our walk with the Lord, our work for the Lord, well, it's all about choices. 
The book of Ephesians says that we were chosen in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. Now, I like that. I like to think that God looked down through eternity and he chose me because I know God doesn't choose any losers. And though there were times in my life where it looked like, well, he may have gotten a hold of one. No, he was absolutely set on making me all he intends me to be. Well, that's what he's doing in you. Chosen in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. I like that too. It says that God chose us with a specific purpose that we could become like Jesus, holy and blameless, and that we could be before him ultimately in love. Well, that's his choice. What's our choice? Well, we get to choose if we want that. Do we want to be like Jesus? Do we want to be holy? Do we want to be blameless? Do we want to be with him and live for him? That really is the choice that he sets before us. Well, there's more that we could consider there, but I want to get into the text. So let me just share a couple more things. Sometimes we limit God, and I mean it in the very you know, smallest possible sense. But sometimes we limit God by giving him just two choices. Lord, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Do you want me to do this or want me to do that? When it may be that God has something altogether different than those things we're presenting to him. But God does us a great service oftentimes in scripture by giving us just two choices. And that's what he does in these few verses. Three different times he says, choose. You won't really find the word there, but you'll see the necessity here in a moment. We have to choose where we're going to store our wealth. Will it be on earth or will it be in heaven? And we have to choose our walk. Will it be in the light or will it be in darkness? And then we have to choose who we're going to work for, who and what we're going to serve. Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve mammon? And we'll see all three of these are, well, they're very closely connected. So as to our wealth, he gives us a do. Well, he starts with a don't. Then he gives us a do and he gives us a why. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Now, There's a whole lot in that very first phrase, our wealth, our treasure, those things that really we set out to possess that end up possessing us. He says, be very careful not to lay up, not to store up, not to hoard temporal, corruptible, vulnerable, earthly treasures. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. The idea of laying up is to hoard, is to store. Now, we're going to see some things he's not saying in a moment, and they are probably as important as what he is saying. But first, let's make sure we get what he's talking about. He says we're not to be laying up. We're not to be storing up. We're not to be treasuring up. In fact, the best translation of this might be treasure not up for yourselves, treasures on earth. It's really talking about where we really see value in and what we really place value in. And he gives us a couple of reasons immediately. He says, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In the first century, when this was written, clothing was of great value. Now, we live in the day of disposable everything. But in those days, if you had a few changes of clothes, you were considered wealthy. 
And so he says, listen, if your treasure, if your wealth, and they would have understood it this way, is all about clothing, well, watch out for the moths, because moths come after fine clothing. Now, I've observed even in this day, even here in the 21st century, that moths are very selective. You see, they go after the wool, they go after the silk, they won't have a thing to do with polyester, and that should be a clue to you. Neither should you. But I remember back in the 70s and 80s, people got into polyester leisure suits. Talk about a, a look. You know, but but the thing was, you could put those in a closet, fill it with moths, and the moths would just starve to death. Why? They weren't interested. And if something has real value, which wool does and silk does, man, somehow the moths said, we want the good stuff. And that's what they went after. This word rust is really an interesting one. You know what rust does. It corrodes. It, it decays. But the word translated rust literally is the word for eaten. So it says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or eat or, well, it's an interesting picture for us. Yes, rust does eat away at metal. But there's nowhere else that this word translated rust is translated rust. It's always translated eaten. And if you read through the entire context, if you had taken time, if we had the time to look all the way from verse 19 down to 34, we'd find that it's all about not getting hung up on what we're going to wear, not getting hung up on what we're going to eat, not getting hung up on what we're going to drink. And so... Though they translated this word rust, if they had translated it where moth eats or, you know, moth eats and eating destroys, well, treasure in those days, again, food. Why? Well, if you had storehouses, if you had grain, you were wealthy. I think some of the most wealthy people in Butte County may still be some of the farmers. If they have a huge farm, a huge rice farm, or huge orchards, those things can produce an awful lot of crops and an awful lot of wealth. And in that agricultural society, when there was very little industry, as it were, it really was about what you could produce. And so the problem was, the mice, the rats, the rodents, they could get in and they could eat your grain. They could eat away your wealth. Now, there's something else here that's kind of interesting because in the book of Ecclesiastes, he tells us when goods increase, and this is in Ecclesiastes 5.11, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. Now, that can really mean two things, and it may mean both. When you got a lot of goods, you're going to increase because you're going to eat them. And uh, just the bigger you, like sometimes Pam and I will joke, I'm twice the man that I was when she married me, uh, literally. But, um, but, but, but really what he's saying is if you have a lot of goods, if you have a lot of grain, there are going to be more and more people gathered around to eat them. And so you can only eat so much. You can only wear so many clothes. And so in their context, and it helps us to see it in its original context, he's saying, hey, don't all be all about what you wear and, and what you eat. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Why? Moth can get to them. Rats or even people can get to them. Rust destroy and thieves can break in and steal. So if we're not to lay up treasure on earth, 
But we are to lay up treasure. Well, where and how? But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where he says, well, your treasure will be safe. It will be incorruptible. It will be um, lasting. Neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal. Eternal treasures, incorruptible treasures. And there are some very practical illustrations in scripture or commands in scripture uh, that help us understand what it means to lay up treasure in heaven. First of all, the Bible says he who lends to the poor lends to the Lord or he who gives to the poor. Actually, you don't lend to them. You just give to them, gives or lends to the Lord and the Lord will repay. The idea there is that there are two kinds of us. There are those of us who use people to get stuff because we really think stuff is what it's about. And there are those of us who have stuff and we use it to really bless people because we know people is really what it's all about or are really what it's all about. So he's saying don't store up for yourselves. Don't hoard. Don't stack up until you have all this stuff. But instead, give it away. And in giving it away, you will be storing up treasure that cannot be stolen, that cannot be wasted, that cannot be destroyed. But but that's not the most important reason. He, he's not saying lay it up because, well, it is better that rust can't get at it or moths or thieves. But he says, ultimately, here's God's bottom line in all this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What he's saying is our heart will follow our treasure. And so if we're Storing up here, if we're building here, if this is where our real life is, well, we're going to be tethered to the earth. And it's really a bad idea if you're aware of what the scriptures teach about our relationship to this world and this earth. He says we're just sojourners. The mean word means we're traveling, passing through. We're here just a short time. We'll see that so clearly in our next study. But it's like if we really get a picture, if we really grasp the reality of eternity and we say, OK, listen, if things go really good and I can stay healthy and live 80 or 90 years, I've got. Well, for me, that's just another, you know, 38, 39 years. For some of you, that's another, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. But but here's the bottom line. It's still going to go by really quickly. Now, eternity, on the other hand, it's never going to go by. And if you're really thinking it through, okay, if I could have everything in this world temporally, or I could have all God intends for me to have in the next world eternally, if you're thinking sanely, you're going to say, give me, Lord, what you have for me in the next world, and use everything you have in this world to bless people and bring them into the reality, well, of the next world. Internal, incorruptible riches. You know, Ecclesiastes 5.10, it's the verse right before the verse I quoted to you, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. Uh, it says, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor the one who loves gold will be satisfied with gold. If we're after physical earthly treasures, he says, we will never find satisfaction. But if we're after the things that last, well, we will find great satisfaction. Now, Jesus made it clear that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so he's saying here, don't give your heart to the world. Don't let your heart go after things. Set your heart on God. Now, 
there are a couple of things we want to make sure don't happen in the context of looking at, okay, we're not supposed to be hoarding. We're not supposed to be storing up here. There are some things that we don't want to assume based on all of this. We're not to assume that we don't have to work or provide. In fact, the Bible instructs us to work and provide for ourselves, for our own, and for the poor. How do we know the Bible wants us to provide for ourselves? Well, the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Anybody here not interested in ever eating again? Of course not. And so he's saying, hey, if you want to eat, you need to work. Provide for yourselves. We're also to work and provide for our families. If a man doesn't provide for his own household, he says he's denied the faith. He's worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. Also, in that context and in that vein, the scripture says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. So Jesus telling us not to hoard or not to set our heart on earthly temporal things isn't saying we shouldn't work or we shouldn't have a bank account or we shouldn't have a retirement or we shouldn't provide for our kids and grandkids. No, it's just saying don't let that be what your heart's all about is the physical, the temporal. If riches increase, the Old Testament tells us, don't set your heart upon them. It's the exact same thing. So we're to provide for ourselves, we're to provide for our families, and we're to provide for the poor. That means we will be working, we will be saving. In fact, there's a passage that kind of deals with how you can know if you've really changed, if you ever had a problem with stealing. I'm not saying most people have a problem with stealing, but lots of children at one point or another steal something. So if you look back far enough, you can probably remember taking something that wasn't yours. But, but here's what the Bible says. Let him who stole steal no more, but let him work with his own hands that he might have an excess to help those who are in need. Here's when you can know you've really had a heart change, a change of heart. You're no longer greedy. You're no longer grasping. You're no longer trying to get, but, but you're, you've become a giver. We'll look at that in the context of these next couple of verses. You've not only provided for yourself, you've not only provided for your family, but now you're providing for the poor. That's God's plan. That's his intention. So, if your focus isn't on amassing for yourself and to yourself for your own gain and goals and purposes, well, then it may be that God will add to you financially. Then you simply become a steward of those things that he's entrusted to you. Well, our motive then, our mindset, we're going to see, is a key to success. The next issue he deals with, having talked about wealth, and all of these are so closely interrelated. He talks about our walk and he says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now here are the two choices that Jesus gives us. We can either walk in the light as he is in the light and First John tells us, if we do that, we'll have fellowship with one another. That means fellowship between us and the Lord. That will lead to fellowship with one another like this too. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. So we can walk in the light or we can walk in the darkness. Now to walk 
In the light means to walk in truth, means to walk uprightly, it means to walk in love. It's, it's sort of the whole package of what it means to follow after Jesus. I am the light of the world, our Lord would say. And he who follows after me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if we're looking at Jesus, following after Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, we're going to be walking in the light. On the other hand, if we choose our own way, if we choose to just do things our way, we're walking in darkness. Sin blinds, and it's an absolute. So this has to do with our vision and our perceptions of stuff. And here's a couple questions for each of us. Are you giving or are you grasping? Are you generous or are you greedy? Because someone walking in the light will be generous in giving. Someone walking in darkness will be grasping and greedy. That's just the way it's going to be. And so it's sort of an easy test for me. Now, I got to be honest with you. I have walked in the darkness. And of course, you have too. And even as a believer, sometimes I've chosen not to believe. Oh, I always believed in Jesus. I always trusted him as Savior since the day I've been saved. But when it came to everyday needs, many times I thought, no, I've got to do this part. There's no way God's just going to take care of this. We'll see in our next study that we can trust him for everything. That if we've really submitted our lives to him, if we're really living for him and following after him and becoming more like him, man, we can trust him in every single way. But the question, are, are you generous or greedy? Is your eye good or evil? Are you really seeing things as they are? The lamp of the body, the eye, it lets light in. And also, well, it lets in the darkness, sadly. And he's saying, if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? A couple of illustrations will really help this whole thing come to light, as it were. Those of you who studied through Genesis with us will remember the temptation of Eve. And you know, when the tempter came to her and she saw the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took and she ate and she gave to Adam and he ate with her. What was going on there? Her eye was evil. She coveted something. She was greedy for something. She grasped at something that God said, hey, you can have anything you want. You can do anything you want. You can go anywhere you want. Just there's one place. I don't want you to go one thing. I don't want you to do one thing. I don't want you to taste. And you know human nature. They're like, well, where exactly would that be? And what don't you want us to see? And what don't you want us to taste? And she finds herself there standing at the tree, tempted by the devil. And when she saw the tree was good for food, see, the very thing that God gave her to enjoy all of his creation, this wonderful sense of sight, the enemy used it to, to draw her in to sin. Now, Jesus, conversely, and look back at Matthew 4, since we're right here in Matthew 6, look at verse 11, because not the more times or actually go back to verse eight with me, the more familiar you are with these kinds of scenarios, with these situations, the better you'll do it following Jesus example and not Eve's. The devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. Matthew four, eight. 
and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, what's going on? He is taking Jesus to a place, and this has to be some kind of a miraculous deal, you know, for him to see all the kingdoms and all their glory. Satan is saying, look it, I know what you're here for, and I want to show you, here it is, all of it. Look at it in its splendor and its glory. And, and, and in essence, Satan's saying, or the devil's saying, I can get it for you wholesale. I'll give it to you, and you won't have to go to the cross. All you need to do is worship me. There is the old saying that says we must put the horse in front of the cart. When it comes to us as Christians walking in the light, we must realize that it's not something that we can do unless it is our heart's desire to do so. So, seeking to have the Lord change our hearts and to guard our hearts will always determine our walk, never the other way around. Join us next time as Pastor Sam completes A Heart for God. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.